Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking 101 questions you need to ask in your 20s and probably in your 30s as well, with Paul Angoni. And ask Shauna, how should I divide up my savings? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Hey, I hope you all had a very, very happy St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully you had some fun, uh, drank a few green drinks. I know I had a spicy green leprechaun margarita. I know that sounds probably pretty disgusting, but it was actually very, very tasty. Um, You know, days like that are just fun, right? They give you an excuse to have a little fun. And I think we all need that. You know, I think we're all feeling so stressed out. And, you know, I was just reading a uh, article the other day about how more millennials are going through quarter life crises at 25 years old. And I thought that was so interesting because I'm not sure I went through a crisis at 25, probably at 35, but it just proves that I think we're all so stressed out. There's so much coming at us all the time. And so I, I'm just a big 
proponent of like any of those days that you can take to just relax and unplug from social media and just, uh, you know, be a human being without having to have all this stress and worry. Like that's a good day in my book, if you're going to ask my opinion. So today's Ask Shauna question is from Brianna. Uh, I love this question. Brianna says, Hi, Shauna. The Millennial Money Podcast is amazing. I've been a listener for a while. It's one of my favorites. I always learn something new, and it's inspired me to take control of my finances, pursue investing, and make wealth management a prominent, fun, successful area of life. I love that, Brianna. Thank you so much for gosh, for that affirmation. I mean, that's, I'm just trying to make this stuff fun for you guys. So it's exciting to me that I'm actually succeeding maybe a little at doing that. So Brianna says, I'm a young professional and a saver by training. My parents always impressed upon me the importance of saving money for the future. It definitely helped me so much. I graduated college without any student loans and I have a solid job. However, I struggle with where to put my savings. Thanks to the podcast, I opened a high-yield savings account, and I love seeing the balance grow and my interest payments added to the total. Cha-ching, cha-ching. This account I reserve for future big-ticket purchases like a house, wedding, grad school, etc. However, I also want to make sure I contribute to my IRA. What is your best advice for dividing savings for both the near future and long-term future? Thanks so much, Brianna. Again, great question, Brianna, because... I think so many listeners are in the same spot you are, you know, good savers, they have a good job, and you're just trying to figure out, you know, where do you put all this stuff? And I think the hard part is that, you know, there are some guidelines for sure that I can suggest, but a lot of it comes down to, you know, of those big purchases, which purchase do you want to come first? You know, are we looking to like tackle the house first? Are we looking to tackle maybe something a little bit smaller first? And, you know, where are you on the lines of investing? Are you currently in a 401k? Does the employer match your contributions? Are you contributing at least up to the match? Uh, Is the IRA something you're doing in addition? So there's lots of questions to ask. So there's not, you know, one rule of thumb. But let me just walk you through a little bit of my thinking. And hopefully this will help maybe point you in some sort of direction. So the old school guideline is saving 20% of your take-home pay, which it sounds like you're doing that or close to that if you're uh, a good saver. And in that 20%, you know, are things like retirement savings, you know, your own savings, whether it's emergency fund or it's for these big goals. And that also includes your employer match. So if your employer matches you 3%, that's also included in this 20% guideline. Now, of course, you know, the more you save, the better off you're going to be. I mean, I say this like over and over again on the podcast, but, you know, I've never heard anybody who is very wealthy and successful ever complain about saving too much money. It just isn't the case, you know, uh, more times than not, we're trying to figure out, you know, even if you have a lot of money, how can you save more money? So that's usually the conversation topic. But, you know, with your with your big ticket savings, what I ask is, is this also your emergency fund? Is this all in one here? If yes, I would suggest that you aim to save somewhere around three plus months of your expenses in this account for your emergency fund. If you already have those there, awesome gold star for the day. But since that might take a while for a lot of people, I think savings really is about a balance, right? So I also want you to be growing your money in your IRA or in your retirement funds, whatever that is. And for 2018, you can save up to $5,500 in your IRA. 
But I would work backwards into this. And again, this isn't set set in stone. So you've got to figure out what works for you, what makes sense for you. I don't know all the ins and outs of your finances. So I'm just kind of gauging this based off of what you gave me. So maybe you start out, you know, with that saving 20% of your pay, of your take-home pay as kind of the, you know, the marker, right? So maybe 15% initially goes into savings for your emergency fund. So you're trying to get at least one month's worth of your expenses saved. And maybe the split is like 15% towards your emergency fund and big savings, and then 5% into your IRA until you get one month of your expenses saved. Now, if you're already there, right, then we go, okay, well, where do we go from there? Then maybe you can start balancing things out and flipping it a little bit. Maybe it's 10% savings for emergency fund, big savings, 10% in your IRA till you hit that three months worth of savings mark. Now, most financial experts, myself included, we usually give a range like three to six months worth of saving of your expenses only because look, even if you have a solid job and something happens to the job, you get laid off, the company downsizes. I mean, we've seen it so much over and over again. Even people who have like what they thought were really secure jobs and suddenly like they go into work and they're getting laid off. And Usually you'll get some sort of severance package, but the goal of course is that, you know, you get a job before that severance runs out, but that doesn't always happen for everyone. A lot of times you're in the situation where the severance is gone and now you're into your own cash until you can find a job. And for some people that could take quite a while. So you just want to be prepared. That That's all it is. It's just, it's it's something to help you sleep at night, you know, knowing that you have cash there if you absolutely need it. So then once you get to that three months mark, or if you feel more comfortable with six months, great, six months it is for you. It's it's really your own comfort level. You know, then maybe you flip things. Maybe you go 15% into your IRA up till you hit the max that you can save in your IRA and 5% or whatever is remaining into your savings account towards these big goals. Again, you've got to find what works best for you. This isn't exact science, but I want you to have, you know, your bases covered as well as get some growth out of your money. You know, I think that is that is more tangible than your high yield savings because high yield savings is great, but you know, we're we're kind of going to cap out here at like one and a half percent, maybe one and a quarter percent, depending on where you have your money saved. And, you know, it's it's growing, it's getting bigger, like you said, ching ching, but it's not growing as you know, rapidly as maybe you would like. And again, we're all on different comfort levels when it comes to investing in the stock market. We're all, um, you know, we've all got different amounts that we want to invest. But, you know, the logic is that the stock market is up 75% of the time if you look at the historical averages. And you need to get some of these bumps right? You're, you need to get some of these upward trends with your money in order to really grow it so that you can really build an awesome lifestyle fund. So thanks so much for the question, Brianna. Again, if you have a question that you want me to answer on the podcast, look, even if you want me to change your name, just tell me that. I'm more than happy to do that. But I think we all learn from these questions. So click the link in the show notes and send me your question because I really, really want to hear from you. So today's podcast, again, is from somebody who's been on Millennial Money before, Paul Angoni, and he's got a new book out, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. And let me tell you, I'm not in my 20s, but I read this book and I was like, yep, 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 yep. I have that question, that question, that question, that question. You know, it was crazy because when we were 
we were uh, getting ready to do the interview, Paul's like, well, are there any questions that, you know, from the book that really resonate with you? I'm like, yeah, there were like 101 questions. <laughs> and there's 101 questions in the book. So um, it just proves that, you know, these sorts of things don't just happen in your 20s. They don't just happen in your 30s. I know we have people listening to this podcast that are a lot older as well. And I think a lot of this is so universal, you know, and, and, because we don't have the same trajectory as like our grandparents had where we just got a job and then we were with that job for 30 years and then we retired and then we, you know, we just kind of did something else with our life. Uh, you know, our life doesn't look like that anymore. So I think that again, because of all this stress and the quarter life crises and all of these things that are just like flooding at us, uh, it's really important to read books like this, I think. And you know, feel like you're not alone. Feel like, oh, oh, somebody else had this question. Oh, somebody else is dealing with this. I mean, I think that's one of the huge motivators behind doing this podcast is that you don't feel alone, that you feel like, oh, there there are other people out there that maybe have these same questions or, oh, hey, that's a cool idea I didn't think of before, you know, because it's money can be so isolating. And so uh, I was so excited to talk to Paul again. He is creator of allgrownup.com. He's read by millions in 190 countries. He's the author of best-selling book, 101 Secrets for Your 20s, All Grown Up, and then, of course, his newest book, 100 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. Before we dive into Paul's interview, I just wanted to tell you about a new Millennial Money podcast sponsor, Audible. I have recently become a huge fan of audiobooks with my goal this year of listening to two books a month. Audiobooks are great for helping you become a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. In fact, I just finished listening to Flat Broke with Two Goats, such a great story about not letting money have power over your life, and it talks about goats too. <laughs> with Audible, you can listen to more books by switching seamlessly between your devices and just picking up where you left off, so it's really great for those of us like me who are completely on the go. And Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of price. And unused credits roll over to the next month. So it's great for your bank account too. And if you didn't like that book, you can just exchange it with no questions. But don't take my word for it. Check out Audible yourself and join me on my two-book-a-month quest. Audible is offering Millennial Money listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash mymoney and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free. Start listening today. Go to audible.com slash mymoney or text show URL to 500-500 to get started today. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, 
ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy, workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. 
Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. So, Paul, it was really interesting uh, the other day on the news. I was actually uh, watching and they were talking about millennials having these quarter life crises, you know, that now when you get to, you know, like 25 years old, suddenly you're you're reevaluating your life. And I thought this would be such a great place to to really start. You know, why do you think that millennials are having this issue at such a young age? Yeah, that is a great question. And it's crazy how many people find me at my website or one of my books because they're Googling quarter life crisis. Uh, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people of Googling. I have a, I'm feeling like I have a quarter life crisis, uh, every week. So if you're feeling that way, first of all, you know, whoever's listening, you're, you're more in the norm than maybe you even realize. Uh, but, but at the heart of a quarter life crisis and some, and some people might think it's like hyperbole to the max, right? Like, oh, look at this millennial complaining that they're going through a quarter life crisis at 23. Um, It it feels like that until you're actually going through one and the intensity of it and the questioning of it and the confusion. And and at the heart of what it is, I, I just feel like it's a big transition process where your expectations uh, you, what you thought reality would be like, what you thought your dreams were going to be, the success you thought you were going to be have, you know, all these supposed to, you know, I, I'm supposed to be successful by this age. It kind of gets leveled or it goes up in flames or you feel like you're at a dead end or you're back at your parents' house living on the couch, whatever that looks like for you. And it just feels like, man, I have to start over. And, yes. and so I think we're putting the term quarter life crisis around that. But I think the question at the heart of it is, what am I going to do with my life? Is this really it? Is this really what my life's going to be like? And, um, and I think we ask that question at different stages in our life, you know, but, but, but I think 20 somethings millennials right now, I think we're more adamant about trying to find an answer to that question earlier in life rather than later. You know, and I I so agree. And 
you know, there's always this constant debate over whether millennials really are any different than any generation before. And I always come back to they are, though. There's been so many unique factors that millennials have grown up with that are in our society right now. But why do you think that, um, why do you think that is that, that millennials are, 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 you know, such a different demographic? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'll go out and I, part of my life is actually going to corporations and organizations where I'm trying to help them answer this question, you know, as I'm talking to leadership and I'm, and they're, I'm, they're trying to figure out how do we retain millennials better? How do we speak to millennials better? How do we market to millennials? You know, it just feels like this big question mark. And, um, you know, there's two ways to go with this. First of all, there are many differences with this generation and obviously technology is a big part of kind of this generational marker that has has really spoke to this generation is this just the amount of change that has happened technologically uh, that millennials have grown up with. And then now with Gen Z coming next, that's kind of the next generation, you know, they're calling it Gen Z will be even more so that way where they've grown up with a smartphone uh, from being a kid, you know, where millennials, maybe they didn't have the internet until high school or whatever. Mm. Um, so technology is a big piece. I think that obviously has affected the way we view the world. The way we receive information is a big one. Uh, you know, back in the, even in the seventies or eighties, there was kind of some consistent sources of information, you know, or maybe, you, you know, you'd go to the, and watch the nightly news and you watch your watch Walter Cronkite deliver the news. And it was kind of this commonality between everybody getting their information from one source. Well, now, as we know, you know, maybe uh, this podcast that they're listening to is one of their huge sources of information. But then some similarities with other generations. And if you look past the different studies or, you know, different things is that uh, historically, whether it's boomers or Gen X or millennials, when you enter into your 20s, it's a confusing decade of your life. You know, and a lot of millennials are in their 20s right now. And I would argue so, that even the 30s are a little confusing. Yeah, and 30s too. <laughs> well, and that and that actually is something that's unique. Even, again, if we're going back to unique factors, is this idea of kind of emerging adulthood and all the data behind that, that basically the, the typical adult markers as we perceive them as, you know, getting a job, buying a house, having kids, getting married – you know, as we most likely know, as people that are listening to this, maybe you fit in this category that that it's happening much later in life now. Hmm. You know, so yeah. in, in the past, you're getting married at 21. Well, now it's 28, possibly 29. And it could change between living in a big city versus more rural environment. Um, so that does play a big role in the way that millennials are also doing their career and uh, feeling like they're at home somewhere, feeling like they've arrived well, I don't think that's happening. Those feelings or those those logistics of being an adult, quote unquote, it's it's being pushed back much later uh, for lots of reasons. But that is something that is affecting this generation. But I think for every generation, your twenties has typically been a very confusing time as you've sorted through. Okay, what am I going to do with my life? And your twenties is really when you're formulating the answers to that question. And even I think just trying to figure out who the heck you are. I mean, even into my thirties, I was still thinking like, who is Shauna? <laughs> like, you know, I, and there were times where I was like, I don't even know if I can answer that question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's a process and, you know, and that's why I love using the metaphor, uh, of, you know, finding your signature sauce, 
is the way I like to think about, you know, your, your purpose, your passion or your vocation is this idea of all of us being master chefs in the kitchen and we're bringing these different ingredients into the kitchen with us and we're putting them together and we're trying to find that flavor that people will want, that, that the world will need, that people will pay money for whatever it might be. And, but it takes time, you know, it takes time to experiment with those different ingredients of, you know, your story, your values, your strengths, your skills, just who you are, the way you're wired. It takes time to put those ingredients together. So I don't think this is a one shot thing or yeah, you have to figure out what you want to do with your life as a 25 year old. It's a process. And a lot of that process, you're going to feel lost or confused while you're doing it. Yeah. And I know that you, you talk about this a lot in your new book, the 101 questions you need to ask in your twenties, um, which we'll get into for a second, because I started flipping through the book and, you know, all of the questions I was like, yep, I have that question. Yep. I have that question. You know, I was like, all right, I have like the 101 questions and I'm not in my twenties, which is, you know, I think what's so great about the book is that it, you know, resonates with so many different, uh, ages, you know, no matter what kind of season of life you're in. But, you know, the signature sauce is something that that I love and and it's it's catchy, but it it really does resonate because, you know, I think that in the the world we're in now with social media and kind of you call it the obsessive comparison disorder, which I definitely want to talk about, you know, it's hard to figure out what you're good at because you know, you're, you're in this phase of just, I mean, I'm guilty of this myself, like constantly comparing myself. And it's like, no, wait a minute. I, I have a different space. I have a different skill. You know, how do you even begin to, to talk to someone about how they figure that out in this like crazy comparison space? Yeah. And that, and that is the million dollar question, right? (laughs) You know, if I have 101 questions, that's the million dollar one. And you're right. And that's why for this book, I wanted to shift to the questions that you need to be asking. And and, and obviously the book is not just 101 questions like listed out uh, because that would be like a three page book. Um, there's a lot of commentary and stories and guiding that has formulated why I, I put these questions in the book. It's kind of a culmination of a lot of years of research. But but you're right. That That's the question is trying to drill down into these questions of, OK, how how do you figure it out for yourself? And what are some key things to be looking at? And, and that's what these these questions hopefully are. They're kind of guideposts to say, hey, have you thought about this? Or if you've been feeling this way, maybe it's because of this, you know. And so one of the questions I even ask, you know, which is a simple question in many ways, it's, um, you know, what are the, the pivotal plot points of your story? So, you know, every every story has major plot points that happen where there's there's big events that change the nature of that character's story. Well, for all of us, what have the, been the big major plot points that have happened in your story, both the really good, the triumphs, and also the really the hard things, the, the tragedies maybe in your life that have changed you, that have affected you, that have put you on the path that you are today? Uh, because I don't think we give those enough credit when we're trying to figure out, okay, what is my future story? Hmm. Or what do I want to do with my life? Well, if we look back and we see, well, gosh, all my major triumphs are when I was creating something in a small team with a small team of people. That's when I felt like, man, that, that was the biggest triumphs for me. And now at work, you're all by yourself and you're doing data analysis and it doesn't feel creative. Well, okay, well, there, there's probably a lot there that we can unpack as far as, okay, there's reasons why that felt like a big triumph for you. And maybe we need to try to incorporate that into your life now 
And then vice versa, your tragedies, the hard things you've gone through. I don't think we give those enough credit because I think a lot of the time our passion or when we feel like, man, I'm really doing something purposeful, a lot of the time it's because you've experienced some gigantic pain or frustration in that area that you want to help people now not go through that same kind of pain. So I, I think this is such a great idea, the the idea about, you know, these big plot points in your life. And I would imagine that some of these plot points in your own life have, you know, kind of shaped your story. And maybe it's a reason why you're so passionate about millennials. Is there anything you can share with us about, you know, what just ignites that passion in you? Oh, totally. I mean, that's where this thought came from in a lot of ways is because I felt like such a f- complete failure for many years in my 20s. And I couldn't figure out, okay, what are, not only what are the answers, but what are, what are the questions I should be asking? I just felt like I left college, I climbed all those steps, and I thought I was going to throw open the doors to success <laughs> or my, my dream life, you know, or working a job at Google that's so cool it doesn't even feel like work, you know, where you're just laughing all the time. Do those uh, jobs exist? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I think at Google, you work like 90 hours a week, probably. So um, it's probably not as dreamlike as I think it is. Uh, but, you know, then you get to the top and you fling open the doors and then you realize you're you're back in the basement and there's a bunch of dark halls and locked doors and you feel like you're starting from scratch again. And for me, that was definitely how it felt like. And so I felt like a failure in many ways. And as I was trying to get published and pursue a dream, and then I would, I got rejected by every publisher around uh, for, for many years, I definitely felt like a failure. And I felt like I can just, I can't, I just can't seem to figure this out. Like, what are the secrets? How do you figure this out? And so that's why I became very passionate about this because I knew what it was like. I knew what it was like to get rejected again or have nothing work out feel like, I mean, be broke, unemployed, trying to figure out what the next opportunity might be and just literally going on hikes. You know, I was living in LA at the time and I remember, and I write about this in one of my books, but I go on these hikes above the Hollywood sign because that just seemed like a fitting place to go. (laughs) And I would just, you know, uh, I would just try to declare the hope of my future in a sense. I would just try to war for hope really uh, because I just felt like I was losing hope. And I felt so discouraged and it was very painful and lonely. And I felt like I was the only one going through that. And so that's another reason why I'm so passionate about this, because I feel like a lot of people feel that way. And then they also feel like they're going through it alone. And that's the email I get the most is I feel so alone. So that's why I say, say in my new book, you know, that we're, that we're all struggling, but we're all struggling to make it appear like we're not struggling. And that's uh, that's a big problem. Yeah, that's such a good line because I mean, it it is so true. You know, I mean, I go through this myself where I just think, oh, nothing's happening. There's no breakthroughs. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, like all of those, all of those emotions that are very lonely feelings. And I think it's healthy that we talk about it more that a lot of us have these feelings because we live in this society where there is a lot of depression with young people. You know, there is a lot of suicide. There is a lot of, stuff happening because people feel trapped and they feel unable to express that they're struggling with something. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think this is hyperbole or, oh, this is millennials whining. Um, There's some serious repercussions to this. And like you said, anxiety, depression, suicide rates, they're all going through the roof. 
And, and I do think honest, vulnerable, authentic conversations with somebody you trust, while it's not going to fix everything, it at least gives you somebody walking alongside you. Um, and this, and this idea really hit home for me. And I talk about it in the new book when I watched the movie 127 hours. Oh yes. Uh, did you see that one? It's oh, based, yeah. on, based on the true story where James Franco is playing Aaron Ralston, the mountain climber that gets, um, that falls in the ravine and has the rock fall in his arm. Yeah. Not a good day. Not a good day. Right. And there's this really poignant scene in that movie and James Franco does it, does it, does it perfectly. I mean, he's this really good job in this movie. But basically, he goes through all the conversations he's had the last few days, all the phone calls that uh, his mom calling him, all these different things. And he starts realizing in this in this very kind of tragic scene, he, he kind of talks straight to the camera and he says, you know, I, I never told anyone where I was going. Mm -hmm. And so he literally was all alone. Nobody knew where he was. So nobody was going to be coming to his rescue. Wow. It, and I remember that feeling of like, man, that is such a, that's the metaphor of our twenties or our thirties or any time when we're going through transition, we want to, you know, we don't want to tell people really what's going on. We feel maybe ashamed. We feel afraid. We feel confused. We don't feel like people will understand. So we keep it to ourselves, but then yet there's, there's, there's no one that we're telling where we're going or where we've been or where we're at. And that's a very dangerous place. And then the repercussions of that, you know, in the movie were very severe. And I won't end, I won't ruin the end of the movie, go see it, <laughs> but it's a pretty drastic, uh, conclusion that to, to save his life. And, uh, and so that was a real powerful metaphor for me to remind myself that, man, it takes courage to talk about where you lack the most courage. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we like, could put that's it, the most courageous thing. Yeah. If we could put an exclamation mark on that. Yeah, absolutely. So so I think that's a big one, especially with uh, what I call obsessive comparison disorder and the images that we're portraying online. You know, I'll keep going back to that because I do think it's a big uh, blocking force with us having authentic conversations because we're all we all feel like every, all our friends lives are too good to be true. And we're trying to compete with that when yet we're all again, we're all struggling, uh, but we're just not talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's why, you know, reading, reading your new book, it feels like a breath of fresh air because it feels like a lot of questions that at least me personally, I would imagine that almost everyone has asked at least some point in their life already, um, or will encounter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just, it feels good to be able to read it that, that somebody else has written about those, those types of questions. And even if you, like you said, even if you already like intuitively know a lot of this, you know, I think just being able to think like, oh, somebody, somebody knows what I'm going through or knows what I'm, what I'm thinking or what I'm confused about, you know, and, and I think that's just such a great place to be, especially with a, with a book these days. Walk us through, you know, maybe some of the other questions that really either resonate with you or people who have already read the book. Yeah, that, that's a great question <laughs> in and of itself. Um, yeah, I think one of the, the questions, you know, there's a, there obviously there's a lot of them I like because I wrote them and I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> biased. Uh, but yeah, there's, I, you know, I go through different categories in the book. I, you know, I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about career and purpose and finding your signature sauce. So I kind of weave in and out trying to kind of go through a different uh, process with all these kind of main buckets. Uh, but one of the questions that 
I'm thinking about right now is, you know, where's the kind of where's the future of work headed and what is it going to mean to have a successful career these days? And uh, and I even have this kind of diagram in the book where I have people fill out uh, these different answers for themselves as we look forward to, okay, what is it going to mean to be have a successful career now? And I, and I think it's a it's a new question in a sense, because I think a career and a successful career can look very different now than it did even 10 years ago, uh, going back to the amount of change that has taken place. So so even thinking about those kind of future cast questions and um, and I and I kind of came up with this as I was doing a talk for a, a tech conference where I was diving deep into some of these books like Big Data and the Second Machine Age and kind of looking at all these different things and trying to figure out, okay, what is it going to mean? What is it going to look tangibly look like for somebody to be successful when we're possibly preparing for a career that might not exist right now? Wow. You know, we, we might be doing something 10 years from now that might not exist. You know, even what we're doing right now, this didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, there, there wasn't podcasts. There wasn't these influencers that were able to create content and speak directly to their audience like we, like we are now. You know, so... So to be adaptable, to change, and 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 the skill set that we're going to need, and that's kind of what I break down in the book, I think is a very applicable one for any at any age, but especially people as we're starting out on our careers and trying to figure out where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the career thing is, I think because of you know the economy we live in, and like you said, just the fast change of everything that's happening, you know, it it almost makes it tough. I've found to define what my career actually is because it feels like it's constantly changing. And I've heard that from a lot of people who, you know, maybe have been in the same sort of career trajectory, but because they're in lots of different jobs and they're switching every couple of years, it's just, it's almost hard to figure out, well, what is it actually that I do? Yeah, exactly. It's more nuanced now. And that's, we can't even fall back on kind of these titles as much anymore that says, oh, I'm a product developer. Mm. Uh, you know, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is my whole identity. Well, that, you know, first of all, that could look like a million different things, depending on what you are actually tangibly doing. But, but you're right. We're, it's, we're, you know, I call it kind of a career island hopping mm, that, yeah. that we're, we're, we're not climbing the ladder anymore, working at the same company for 30 years. We're hopping from island to island, from experience to experience, getting different skills, creating different parts of our story, figuring out more about what our values are, more about what our strengths are, more about what the need in the world is as we travel from island to island. And this doesn't mean you're actually literally traveling throughout your 20s, going to island to island, but but metaphorically, you know, different jobs, different experiences. And you're picking this thing up to create this, again, this signature sauce that is unique to you and, and is really key to your success because then you become irreplaceable. You're becoming this hybrid adaptation that is irreplaceable because no one has this kind of hybrid skill set and story and personality and and uh, and knowledge that you do. So now you've kind of created this this brand or this platform or this product or whatever the the outcome might be that is so unique to you that it is hard to describe because there's no syllabus for this, you right. know? There's no plan in a sense that this is how you be successful at, you know, pick 
your job or role. And, and so again, that's why I think it takes us being even more intentional because we have to go through the hard work ourselves and plant the seeds ourselves and keep watering them ourselves and, and see which one grows. And, and it's trial and error and there's failure throughout. Uh, but that's, I think, what it's going to be like to have a successful, quote unquote, career in, in many capacities these days. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast just talking about that. That is such a great uh, point. And I think it really hopefully helped uh, helped a lot of the listeners to feel better about, you know, where they're at. Because I think like, like we just keep saying, I mean, it's so easy to feel alone these days. And the irony is that we're so connected, you know, people are like, how could you possibly mm-hmm. feel alone? And yet, you know, we do. And, and I think that's what what I really took about took away from reading the book was that um, that's that side of things where you you really feel like you're more connected to people. And that's what I always try to do through this podcast, you know, different stories and talking about different money ideas is just show how much we're all more alike than we are different. You know, do you do you think about that when you were writing the book of, of you know, the, that connectivity piece? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big that's always a big motivation of mine is just the constant theme of you're not alone. And, um, and so that's why in the book, you know, and if you know my style writing, if you've read any of my books, uh, I try to be as authentic as possible. And I talk about my struggles and I try to be vulnerable because I don't want to be the guy that's trying to give you all the answers or give you all the right questions to then get the answers without you seeing my process too. And know that, you know, there's a lot of days I wake up and I have like, what the heck am I doing with my life? You know, um, it can feel, feel very lonely for me as well. And so I'm constantly reminding myself. And that's usually where it starts is I'm trying to remind myself. Like when I write in the book, you know, that we don't connect with each other through our pretend perfection. We connect with each other through our shared struggle. You know, and you, and you have to be brave enough to go first. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to be willing to to say, you know, I'm struggling or I'm questioning this or whatever. And and that's what I try to do in my writing so that I am the guy that's going first so I can open up a conversation and hopefully spark other people to have conversations with each other. And hopefully, I mean, I think that's always a goal of my writing is to be a conversational spark for other people to talk with each other or even talk to me or whoever's in their sphere. Uh so that we're not going at this alone by ourselves. Yeah, and I, I, that's awesome. I mean, I, I can't say enough about that and how it resonates with me. Uh, and I would just imagine how it would resonate with so many other people. So, Paul, tell everybody where they can go to find out more about you, find out more about the book, and hopefully grab the book. Yeah, thanks. Um, they can go to my website. Uh, my main website is allgrownup.com. And groan as if you're groaning in pain, G-R-O-A-N, groan. And um, and you can snag free chapters from uh, different all three of my books at, at my website. My new book is coming out April 3rd, which has either happened or is going to happen, depending on when you're listening to this. So you can grab the new book, 101 Questions to Ask in Your 20s, pretty much wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, and then, of course, you can connect with me through social media like Twitter or Instagram. I'm Paul Angoni on Twitter and Instagram. And Angoni is a tough one to spell. It's Angone, A-N-G-O-N-E, Angoni. And uh, and I would love to connect with you. If you're, if you're struggling 
right now. Or if you're not struggling, if you feel like you're just crushing it right now, but you just want to talk to somebody about it. And I love hearing from people um, and being a, a source of inspiration as much as I can. Like I said, there were so many questions in this book that just like completely resonated with me. I would say one of my favorites is number 61. And it's who will you not be able to help if you give up now? I just... I love this one because I think that it's so easy for a lot of us to feel like we aren't making an impact on anybody's life. And yet I think it's a commonality that we all share that we all want to make an impact, whether it's, you know, in a big way or in a small way. We definitely want to like help people, you know, be better people. We want to be better people ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you today that whether you think you're making an impact on somebody's life or not, I can pretty much guarantee that you are. And, you know, maybe think about those people or those ways that you're you're impacting others, whether you're sharing your knowledge or your expertise, or you're just being a friend or you're volunteering or whatever it may be. And, you know, particularly if you're if you're trying to do something big, I know, like, I'm trying to do something big around money, and it's scary. And it's, it's, lonely at times and it's frustrating at times and at times I just want to give up and like throw in the towel and then there's other times where I feel like so inspired you know and it it definitely just it keeps me going because I think I have this vision around money that is like just it's unique to me and so if I stop now you know maybe there are people out there that need to to hear it and you know, I wouldn't be able to help them. So, you know, whether you're trying to do something big or you're rather trying to do something small, just, you know, maybe think today about who you're impacting and, you know, give yourself a little encouragement to just keep going. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, hey, do me a favor, share it with your friends, subscribe them on their podcast player on their phone and head on over to the link in the show notes to leave us a five-star review. 